God is good, amen? Praise the Lord. Oh, I'm just so thankful. You know, it's so much, it's so much better when, you know, we have prayers that we pray, and I, and I don't, uh, you know, you can pray a prayer, you know, uh, I actually think we're going to get into that tonight, but you can pray a prayer that is meaningless gibberish, you know, that you just recite something over and over and you have no knowledge of what it means or really any heart behind it. But, uh, you know, if I pray prayers often, especially uh, before service, I pray them because I mean them and, and it, it's a desire of my heart. And I realize that, you know, just praying that prayer one time doesn't get me through un until the end, that I need to seek God all the time for, for his help and being able to do what I've got to do, right? And to be able to minister his truth. Praise the Lord. And um, so that's what I desire to do, and so that's why I pray those prayers. But man, you know, it just moved on me so much that it seemed like the Spirit moved on me so much just in that moment of prayer that, you know, uh, reminding me that there was a time when I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to get there. I didn't know how to even get here. I didn't even know which here to get to, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, there's lots of churches with crosses and stuff like that, but I wanted to be fed by God and didn't even know it, amen? And I'm not saying that any one of, you know, any church couldn't be used for that. I believe that any church that really seeks the Lord could be used by God. But uh, I didn't even know where to go. But it was, you know, through a series of events that led me to the place where God would have me to be. And in that place, God taught me so much. And I'm so thankful for that. And so, but I just saw, you know, it was like I saw in my spirit. And I didn't see it with a picture or anything like that. But it was just like I, I became aware of this, you know, that there's people out there. And um, praise the Lord. You know, uh, Jeff uh, 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 and Lynn, I want to I say something to you because there's one person in particular that goes to your uh your uh the, the 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 events that you put on on friday night that came before me in that and i'm not going to say their name uh for this you know just the sake of privacy you could ask me later and i'll tell you but uh it just seems to me that that is the that was the case and it was her face uh that kept coming up before me and and it was like She's seeking God and doesn't even know it. Like she, she hungers for the Lord and doesn't even know it, you know. And I say that, I hope you don't mind me saying that out loud, but I, I, I fully believe that, you know, these are the things we contend for. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I say that maybe to encourage you that when you contend for it, when it's heavy, when it's hard and you're pressing through, but you're doing what you know to do. And that's the key. When you know to do something, you do it, right? And even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, you just know, Lynn, you'll understand this even much more being a mother, uh, that you just do what you got to do, right? You just, you got to take care of business sometimes and you just do it. And you, sometimes you don't even feel like maybe you have the strength to do it, but you know it's right because you know it's right. Yeah. And the same thing is with ministry or anything else we do. You'll know it's right when you know it's right. And it, that doesn't mean it'll be, always be uh, super easy. Sometimes you'll have to press through that, but press through it. Because there's, there's people that are attached to that. There's, there's people, um, and I just, I saw this person just like, you know, just like, almost like I could see it in the spirit. You know what I mean? Like, uh, if that makes sense. And if it doesn't, well, maybe we'll try to figure it out together. Amen. But uh, God is good. Amen. Praise the Lord. But it's, it's beautiful how the Lord will uh, bring specific people up to you sometimes and show you things. And, and I just believe that when he does that, there's a purpose for it. And so I've learned to just go with it. Even if I, you know, unsure myself, but uh, I, I go with it. Amen. Uh, praise the Lord. Because God, we're not unsure about God or the way he moves and does things. Amen. You know, when I say unsure myself, it's sometimes, you know, you have something there and you want to speak about it, but you're not sure. 
you know, if you'll even be right. And, you, you know, you're not sure about it. And, uh, but there's a certain surety that comes in faith and, and comes in trusting God that we, we lean on. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, so uh, this week, I didn't even realize this last week, I don't think, but this week I'm doing a part two of last week. I didn't realize I had a part two, but apparently this week I got a part two. And so just so you know, today's message or tonight's message is product placement part two. And last week we talked about uh, being given a place with God, right? We talked about that, like how, how uh, you know, God's given us a place with him. And that's, that's, that's kind of a, a, a really important thing to know as a Christian, right? To know that we have a place with the Father. And if we know that we have a place with him, then we have to operate out of that understanding, right? Um, but this week we're going to be talking about kind of living in that place. And we're going to be talking about, you know, and, and of course the place that I'm speaking of is not necessarily a place, uh, you know, uh, a, a physical place because I believe our place with the Father transcends physical localities, which is a good thing. Uh, uh, that we, no matter where we are, that that place is with us with us permanently. It's with us continually. Amen. And, you know, as I've said before, I, I really believe that this is what John 14 is talking about, that Jesus wasn't talking about mansions in heavens, but, but mansions in heaven. But if you study that out, really what Jesus is talking about is this place in the Father's household, this place of being in the Father's household that we have to live and, 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 and to live out of, so to speak. Amen. Uh, you, you know, and, and that's, uh, you know, we can understand it maybe in a, a, a more colloquial sense maybe if we say like you know you, you know we, we realize that you always have a place with me if I say something like that you know what I mean right you probably wouldn't show up at my doorstep uh, expecting that I was going to give you uh, room and board for the rest of your life but you would understand that if you have a place in my heart if you have a place with me and that's I believe that that's what God is talking about there as well but of course that place is 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 uh, you know in the Holy Spirit as well and so that's and I'm not teaching on all that today but I am teaching about some other things and we're going to actually talk about some things concerning prayer we're going to deal uh, with some uh, uh, because prayer has to come from that place um, you know uh, you, you know, when we, when we think about prayer to God, I think so often we really don't think about it right. And it's not a difficult thing. And so I'm just going to start off, you know, right off the bat with telling you that, that prayer isn't a difficult thing with God. It's not, but, but it is something that the better we understand it, the, the better we'll be in it. Amen. The better we'll be at it. Is there anybody that wants to be better at prayer? Yeah. You know, I think if you follow after God or you, you seek God, you probably want to be better after, at, at prayer because that's the, 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 the way we communicate with God in the most part, right? Now, um, you know, other than the word of God and stuff like that, but I mean, when we want to physically communicate with God, we go to prayer, right? Um, and that's just it. And we need to understand that that's the basis of what all prayer is. There's many different types and kinds of prayer. And, and I don't know as though it, it's so necessary to know what each and every different type of prayer is. As long as you just learn about basic, basic prayer in God, with God, he'll lead you in the rest of those things. And, and, and I think that, that, that that's an important. Now, when I say I think, this is what I've discovered in life. Amen. I could be wrong. 
And so if you see it otherwise, you know, well, then let's have a discussion about it. But the, but the truth of the matter is, is I think so many times we overcomplicate things so much that we get distracted from what the main, uh, the, 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 the main point, right? We, 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 we forget to major on the majors. And the major is this, that prayer is a way of us communicating with God. And it's a way that it, it, in that process, he also can communicate with us that way. And if we can understand it just at that level and leave it there and then let the Holy Ghost lead us the rest of the way, I think, as we, of course, as we read the word and study the word and stuff like all, the, all of that is important. But, uh, but, but the Lord will lead us in that and he'll teach us things about it. And I believe that's exactly how I got to this place that I'm going to be speaking about tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so uh, product placement part two, of course, we're the product and we've been placed, right? We've been placed in the right position, you know. I, uh, uh, I, I, the reason I, I kind of use the title product placement is I was referring to like in movies and stuff like that. If you know what product placement is, if you don't, you've probably not watched movies. Um, but, uh, it, you, you know, if you watch a movie, what you'll notice is it's very evident that the, that the soda that the person is drinking isn't just soda, isn't just cola. It's not like the old, you know, the old uh, generic where it just said pop or soda on the side of it or cola on the side of it. No, but it'll be something specific like Pepsi or Coca-Cola, whoever placed are paid for the, the you know, the, the, the placement of that. And they do that as a form of advertisement. Of course, you'll see that all through movies. I mean, some movies are actually built around them. If you ever remember the movie Castaway with, with Tom Hanks, right? Uh, it, it, that movie was based basically around FedEx. Was it FedEx? Yeah, it was FedEx, right? That was the whole, that was the company. And so it wasn't just some random delivery company. FedEx had a big part. And what, how much they had to pay for that? Maybe they paid for the whole movie. I don't know. But the point is, is they didn't get that for free. And just, just like that, you know, uh, products don't get placed in God's kingdom for free. There had to be a price to pay. And that price was the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. That price was paid for us to be placed in a place to be used for its purpose. And actually, if we understand this, that we are a reflection of God's, or we are to be a reflection of God's glory on the earth, when we understand that the God is glorified when we bear fruit, amen? So it makes this idea of product placement even more, uh, even more, a little more saturated. It makes it a little more, a, a little more full, doesn't it? Amen. It makes it a little bit more understandable that God, that we're not just products. You know, I'm not just saying that we're, we're, we're to be used and discarded like a can of, of pop or whatever. But, but uh, God has purpose in us being placed in a certain place. Amen. And when we understand that, then we can start getting the rest of this. And I'm not going to preach last week's sermon, mostly because I don't remember it. But, uh, uh, but secondly, because I already preached it once and I just preached ne next week. So if you didn't remember last week's, then go back and listen to it and it'll help you get there. Amen. Amen. Of course, I'm joking about all that. But uh, turn with me to 1 John 5.14. Praise the Lord. Today I'm going to be using mostly the NIV Bible. Um, and I like to tell you that, you know, it's, it's good to, to get multiple or to read. And if you really, if you're going to be a student of the word, to study multiple translations. And, and it's because sometimes it helps you see things a little bit more clearly. Plus, the other thing is, is you know, these, these translations, translations were all translated by man. 
and man can make mistakes or be limited in their ability. Actually, uh, one of the things I was just, just studying uh, said that the, the NIV is the, is, is the best possible uh, translation that we can have at the current moment. Or it's, it's not just a translation, but version of the Bible to read for understandable, mixed between understandability and direct translation. Um, it's not a direct translation sometimes, yeah, but that's the way, if you understand how language works, you know, language doesn't work like, oh, if I have a word in English, it just automatically is that word in every other language. It doesn't work that way. Sometimes you can miss a lot if you just directly translate. Uh, versions of the Bible, other version I use, like the NASB, uh, the uh, New King James Version. I used to use, uh, the, of course, the King James Version is like this. Those are all direct translation, word-for-word -word translations which sounds great in theory, but it's not always in, in, in application. Amen? And so sometimes it's good to get these other things. And so these aren't just thrown together. These aren't just like, you know, uh, a couple of yokels decide to get together and have a Bible. Now, there are translations out there like that, and I would highly suggest staying away from those, but uh, we're not getting into that tonight. Amen? From 1 John 5.14, praise the Lord. First uh, John 5, 14 and 15 are actually some scriptures that are they're at the top, towards the top of my list of favorite scriptures, if you're allowed to have some. Um, but I love, uh, I love how it says it here, and let's go ahead and read. It says, this, this is a confidence that we have in approaching God. I love that. You know, that word confidence, when you see that word confidence, that word confidence in Bible can often be pretty much uh, swapped out for the word faith. And faith can be swapped out for confidence. And so uh, sometimes you'll see uh, boldness. Sometimes you'll see assurance. And all those words work. Um, but confidence, you know, is in that vein too. And so that's really what faith is. And so when we see confidence, what we can, what we can deduce from that or take out of that is the, the fact that, that he's talking about faith. And understanding faith, even if because that's what faith is. Faith is uh, faith is a really awesome thing that God has given us. But faith is it's, it's assurance, it's confidence in His presence. Amen. Amen. And so uh, I love it when it says this here because we can have as Christians, we can have as believers, we can have confidence. Yeah. In fact, not only can we have confidence, we should have confidence. But the question is, well, what can you have confidence in? You know, we can have confidence in God, but what does that mean, right? Do we have confidence that he will someday save us? Well, that's a kind of confidence that we can have. But that doesn't necessarily help us in the day-to-day. -day. When you're walking things out, when you have opposition, when you have trial, when you have sickness, when you have somebody hurt, or when you have somebody that you got to save, or somebody needs saving, or whatever, you understand there's lots of different scenarios where just the fact that we'll be saved someday even though it give us some kind of confidence, doesn't necessarily give us confidence for the moment, right? Yeah. But this isn't just talking about confidence for some day. This confidence is talking about confidence that we are to live in here. Right. And this is a very important confidence that I think that a lot of Christians miss. I know that I've missed it. And even as a pastor, sometimes I still miss it. And even in this place of understanding it, there's times where I, in my own human thinking and frailty, I fail to, to, to see the confidence that I should have. And so I needed to be reminded of it. And oftentimes the Lord will remind me of these scriptures. Amen? But this is the confidence we have in approaching God. I love that. 
This idea of approaching God is used, you know, it's used many times in Scripture, but this, this is coming to God. So there should be a certain level of confidence that we have in approaching God. Amen? Well, praise the Lord. Uh, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. That's a pretty profound statement. And when I first heard this scripture for the first time ever, I remember how excited I got because I forgot 90% of what the first, the, what, the, what the, the verses, two verses, but what they were saying. And I held on to that. Whatever I ask, I can have. That's where I like to camp out, right? And that's where a lot of Christians like to camp out because when you read a scripture like that, that gives you a certain level of confidence. But the truth is, that's unfounded confidence that this scripture, these scriptures are not talking about. Amen? There's a really important point in this that we have to see, that if we ask anything according to his will. Now, that's, that's, that's the hang-up right there. That's the place where, uh, this, this is where heaven and earth combine. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where we either get it or don't get it. God's prayers, or our prayers, are answered when they're prayed according to his will. Now, when I say pray according to his will, I'm not talking about, oh, that you prayed it just this way or said just these things. But it's that you were asking things or that you were seeking him or as we saw in the previous verse, as we approached him, right? According to his will. What's in his will? To know what you pray and who you pray to is imperative, imperative to praying effectively. It do, it's not just that we pray. There's many people that pray. There's many Christians that pray just like the world prays. But that doesn't guarantee us anything. There's no confidence in praying like the world prays. We, a, a lot of times we just fail to learn about God, to learn about his grace, to learn about his goodness, to learn about his truth, and we never really understand how to pray. But to know not just what we're praying but who we're praying to is absolutely imperative. If we understand these things, we can understand what we're praying a lot more and being effective in our prayers. Amen? Now, Hebrews 11.6 is a verse that we often go to. I'm just going to pull it up here. And, of course, we know it. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And in essence, this verse is saying the same thing is the verses over there in 1 John. Amen? It's saying the, almost the exact same thing. And that, that he exists doesn't just mean that, oh, uh, that, that, that God is a real God. Because the Bible tells us, you know, that the, that, the, that the fool says in his heart there is no God. So to believe in God, we know the demons believe in God, and, and it causes them to shudder. But even in those things, it doesn't do them much good, does it? And so it doesn't do us much good if we, if we un just understand that, just believe that he exists. But really, when you study this out, to understand he exists means to exist as he he is, to exist as who he is. And so there's an understanding in coming to him. And then this whole idea is, is really set up in that idea of those who come to him or those who approach him. Amen? Those who approach him are coming to him, sincerely coming to God. Now, you can pray to, you know, there's people that pray to, there's people that follow Jesus that isn't the Jesus of the Bible. 
It's a G Jesus they've concocted in their head. I mean, all you have to do is watch some primetime TV, have, wait for somebody to start talking about Jesus, and you can pretty much guarantee that it's going to be messed up. It's not the Jesus that the Bible talks about. They're saying Jesus, and everybody thinks that it's the same because they said Jesus. But what's behind that Jesus, you know, there's a scripture that says, if anyone comes to you preaching another Jesus, right? Why would it say that? Is there many Jesuses running around? Well, you know, the word Jesus is also the name Joshua. So, I mean, we, we, we could, you know, we have a Josh here. Amen. And so uh, the, the name is the same, but I'm not advocating praying to Josh, right? I'm not advocating seeking Josh to know him and to know he exists. You know, I mean, if you want to know Josh, Josh exists, just look over there in the second row and you can see him. Um, and, and if you can't see him, well, then just uh, ask somebody you trust and, and, and they'll help you believe in Josh, right? But, but we're not talking about that. You know, the, the, the Jesus, another Jesus, is a Jesus that is not the Jesus that is described in Scripture. Not the, the, the real Jesus, in other words. Amen? And, and I think that's understandable. If it's not, well, again, we'll have to talk about it afterwards. But this approaching God with confidence is something that we just do. It's not something uh, that, that, that is, uh, it's something that's learned, but it's something that you learn to do. And it's something that you just do. You, you come to him with confidence. Um, you know, it, it's, I, I was saying it like this. My wife and I were talking about kind of some of these things in the car on the way down here. And this came out of me, and, and I really believed it was from the Lord, that, uh, it's good for people, uh, the, the understanding that, that approaching God or, or seeking after him is just something that you just do, that you just put to practice. That's good for people, or that statement can be good or helpful to people that hunger for him, right? If you hunger for God and you're okay with just, just seeking God, like what does that mean? What does it mean to seek after God, right? When we really think about it, what does it mean to come to God? How do we come to God? How do we learn from Do you understand there's certain things about God you will never know until you have a relationship with him? And that's precisely what these scriptures are built around is a relationship with God. I haven't forgot what I was saying, so I'll get back to that. But I wanted to kind of qualify it ahead of time. Having a relationship with God is something that you can't discover. I can't teach you about in the sense of I can tell you the steps on how to get there. And... That's fine for somebody who's hungering after God. If I just say, well, you just got to keep hungering. You just got to look for him. You got to hide and seek, right? You got to desire it. You got to go after it and not stop until you find. And that's what we see over there in Matthew, uh, is it Matthew 7? I think around verse 7 where it says, knock, seek, and ask. You know, we know these, these, these scriptures, uh, the one who keeps knocking, keeps, or the one who knocks, uh, the door is open to him. The one who asks is received. I'm getting all mixed up, but you understand what I'm saying, right? Um, so approaching God with this confidence is, is that, just doing it. And that's fine for people who are hungry for him. However, it's not so good for people that wants a, want a list of, uh, of do's on how to get there. So if you give me steps on how to get to God, I'll get there, right? You say do A plus B plus C and I'll get God, right? That's what... Um, that's what uh, uh, now, now in that, I'm not saying there's not 
ways of praying and stuff like that. That's not, you know, um, I was recently in a, a prayer seminar and someone was talking about the ABCs of uh, some ABCs of prayer and that wasn't wrong what they were saying. So I'm not speaking against that. I'm not speaking about that. But what I'm talking about is getting to God, having a relationship with God. It's not just a matter of having these steps because what relationship does? You know, somebody could tell, if, if any of you are married, uh, if somebody gave you a list of dues uh, to get to your spouse, maybe it would have worked with your spouse, but you know full well that you can't give that to everybody because that won't work for everybody else. You know, to build a relationship, in other words, is what I'm saying with other people, is a process of just discovering it and figuring it out. Yeah. My wife and I have a great relationship today, and it's taking us this long to get to that point. I mean, we've had a good relationship all along, but to get to the goodness of what it is today took this long because it only happened as we explored, as we, as we sought out, as we tried things, tried some things that didn't work, right? And we tried some things that work. When we find something that works, well, we keep doing that, amen? And that's really what a married life is about, isn't it? If any of the folks that are married, you would under, should understand what I'm saying, at least in that. There's, there are things that you try that work and things you try that don't work. And you, know, and you just get better at it as you go along if you'll give yourself to those things. But it's similar with God. If somebody just tells you, you know, I'm going to give you five steps on how to have a relationship with God, you're never going to get there. Because there's no such thing as five steps. Because you don't get to God by five steps. You get to God by hungering after him, desiring to know him, looking for him. You know, I, I, again, I've been quoting this a lot lately, but over there in, in Romans 1, you know, it tells us that what can be known of God can be seen in his creation. And so what, that, what does that mean? Well, one of the things that it means is that as we seek to know God, we can look around us and understand by what he's created attributes of him now don't get me wrong this isn't some weird kind of new age garbage that's saying go out and you know talk to the trees and get some kind of you know vibrations or you know different things like that from the earth and magnetic poles and crystals and stuff like that all that stuff is garbage it's that that doesn't get you closer to god that doesn't get you to know god amen it's in a process of seeking and hungering after him that you're going to find that of course there's reading the word and stuff like that but but we have to understand that it's relational, it's relationship that brings us into that place of knowing God. Amen? And we can't know God's will if we don't know him. You just can't do it. And so there's no five steps to get there. There's no ten steps to get there. You're just not going to get there that way. You can't just spell it out and say, okay, this is how you're going to get to God. Because just when you think you spelled it out, just when you think you've got a box to fit God in, He's going to come at a different angle, break out of that box, and you'll, be all, you'll, you'll start at square one. Amen? And so we see these, the, 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 we can see some of these things in here the need to seek after God, uh, to hunger after Him. Amen? But then there's also a promise, and that promise is, is a certain kind of confidence. And this is what I'm talking about that many Christians don't have. Many Christians don't pray to God from a place of confidence because they don't pray to God from a place of relationship or a place of understanding who God is or what his will is. And so when they go to prayer, they're like, I don't know if God will answer me or not. Um, I think I said this later on. I have this written down, but maybe it's a good place for it. Um, oh, praise the Lord. Yeah, should a... Uh, should a Christian even pray prayers that they don't know are God's will? Mm -hmm. 
This, this, like, this thought came to me this week when I was, when I was starting the, the beginnings of this message, right? Should a Christian even pray prayers that they don't know are God's will? If we are believers, why are we praying unbelieving prayers? How can a believer truly pray an unbelieving prayer and then feel that they are justified in, in doing so? We're called believers. Do you know what I mean? Praying an unbelieving prayer means praying a pr prayer that you have no confidence in. You have no ideas in the will of God. Well, according to Scripture, if you really study the Scripture, there's, there's no place to not know. It's about knowing. This whole thing is about knowing God. Why do we come to church and hear about His Word? To know Him further. To know Him more. Hopefully the person that's preaching isn't going to lead us astray, that they're going to give us truth so we can help, uh, so it can help us to know God further. Now, you don't know God through me. That's not what I'm saying. A preacher isn't going to build that relationship with you because anything you're taught, you have to take that out into the world and find God, so to speak. You know what I mean? Again, you're not looking for them in leaves of trees or in patterns and stuff like that, but you, but you, you can start understanding things about him and communing with him uh, by, by, by that, that hungering and seeking after him. Amen? Well, praise God. Hallelujah. So turn with me. We were here last week, but we were here last week in the NASB. So this week we're going to be here in the NIV. But we're looking at, at Matthew 6, um, verse 5. And of course, you'll recognize this as what is commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. And, you know, it was interesting in my, as I was doing some studies on this, and I, I've been in this more um, this is one of the uh, of many things that I've been kind of studying out um, and, and seeking out. Um, and actually, it's funny how this message came, and I'll tell you that in a minute, um, because it was one well, it was one part of the Lord's prayer that brought me into it. But but uh, you, you know, uh, we com commonly call this the Lord's prayer, but really it should be called the disciples' prayer because God isn't praying this. You know, and I know the idea is that He delivered the prayer to us. But it's for us. Uh, it's for us in understanding. Amen? Amen. Praise God. So Matthew six, verses five through thirteen. Um, and it says, and, "And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites." Now I got I got this all marked up in my Bible because this is an important thing. This word hypocrites. Some versions, if you have an uh, like an older version, might say like heathen. Don't pray like the heathen. But the word is translated hypocrite. And, uh, and I got into like studying out what it, what it means to be a hypocrite. What does the Bible mean when it says hypocrite? You know, because there's sometimes there's what, the, what, what, what humans mean by it, but then there's what God meant by it, right? And we know that the, that the scripture is God's word, and so the, what did he mean by it? But it literally means of actors in a play... Um, Utterly devoid of sincerity or genuineness. So he says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. Like an act, somebody who's playing the part. That's an actor in a play, right? Well, in lieu of everything that I just said to you, how, ask yourself, how many Christians that you've known in your life, and I'm not telling you to go around judging Christians, maybe it's yourself. Because I know I've been in this place where I've just been an actor playing the part. Oh, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. But when I go to pray, I'm not praying prayers of faith. I'm not praying prayers of understanding or confidence before the Lord. I'm not praying prayers that I know are in God's will. I'm just praying because I feel like that's what I have to do. Wow. 
So I'm playing a part. See, I'm just saying things that I need to say to do the thing I need to do to be justified in God's eyes. At least that's what I think. And that's what so many people think. But brothers and sisters, that's not prayer. That's called, that, that, that's what we're going to see here in a minute. That's, that, that's uh, it's gibberish. It's, it, it's mindless. Uh, it's, just, it's just speaking. It doesn't mean anything. And if it doesn't mean anything, it doesn't mean anything to God. And so this is the problem when we approach God in prayer. A lot of times we, we don't really even understand what we're doing. We're, we're just like, we just, and, and, and I, I'm excited to get to the point that I'm going to get to that brought me into the sermon, the second sermon, because the, the, there was things that God was dealing with my spirit, and, and I was seeing it, and I was like, oh, wow. You know, it's like some of those old wow moments. When we study the word, you know, there's a richness. Now, you can study the word and, and just read the word and get basic understanding of the word. There's truth to that. Any, a child can read the word and get something out of it. So you don't have to get into super deep to, 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 to get something out of the Bible. But why, why would we think that something as complex as the word of God would be something that is only to be surface read? Or surface understood. If we, if, we, if we believe that way, we don't understand what the Bible teaches us. Because God is not moving us to be half-hearted actors running around playing the part. In, in, in genuineness, in, in, in sincerity. He hasn't, he hasn't, we haven't been reborn. We haven't been remade. We haven't been redeemed, hallelujah, by the blood of Christ. Jesus didn't pay the price he paid so that we could half-heartedly get it. So that we could just mosey on through this life, banging on, bumping off walls and rocks and stumbling around in the dark, not really knowing. Jesus told us that there was people that are of the dark, but they're not the people of God. He said, you are children of light. You're a city on a hill that can't be... What do you suppose these things mean? It means that we, we have an understanding of our placement with God. We know who we are. Amen? Praise the Lord. And we approach our Father because we know who we are. Amen? Praise God. I feel like I'm getting all out of my notes and, and all over the place, but, and, and that's fine. You know, I'm getting them out of order. Uh, there was, uh, my wife and I, uh, one year we were going to a conference down in Pensacola, Florida, and because of a storm, we, we, uh, uh, we, we decided to divert and we went into a different airport. Usually, if we were going to, to Pensacola, we would fly from Buffalo to uh, Atlanta and Atlanta to Pensacola, but there was a big storm a couple years ago that it was hitting Atlanta, and actually it hit Atlanta the exact time that we were supposed to land. And had we not, we wouldn't have gone because those flights ended up getting canceled anyways. It was an ice storm. And the Lord uh, showed my wife that we needed to redirect. And so we went from Cleveland to New Orleans. But as we do, when we go to a trip, we try to take a couple days if we can uh, around it just to get, uh, you know, uh, so we can have a little bit of rest and downtime. And we, uh, so we're not just rush, rush, rushing and then go to the, you know, the services and then rush back. But we took, we had never been to New Orleans before, so we decided to take a little bit of time, uh, like one day, and we just, like, we're going to explore the city and just kind of walk around a little bit, see some things we'd never been there. And one of the things that I noticed is that New Orleans had an incredibly, like, bigger than I had ever seen 
in any other city that we've been to, we've been to a lot of cities, had an outlandish homeless population. And, you know, there's reasons for that. I don't need to get into that. But it was, it was like in your face everywhere you went. And it was, I mean, it was huge. It was like, I mean, thousands and thousands of people. And everywhere you went, every road you drove on, there was, there was encampments and stuff like that. But there was also, the other thing that we noticed is that there was a lot of people that were begging. A lot of people that were asking for, you know, obviously money or whatever. And it was actually, there was so many of them, it was actually, it got to the point where it was ridiculous. It was like if I, if I just gave a dollar to everybody, we would be poor in, in just one day. Because so many people, it was, and it was annoying. It was like, you know when you get those spam calls over and over and over again? That's, that's, or, or messages or whatever? That's exactly what it was like. It was just every few minutes, like every, we're walking down the street just trying to look around. And everybody was asking us for something. But there was this one in particular that really spoke to me. And, and, and I've thought about it so many times. And it came up again when I was preparing this message. And it was, this, it was this one woman, she was walking down the street, and she saw us, and, uh, and I don't think that we necessarily look like tourists. I mean, we've been in cities enough that we, I don't think that we have to, but I don't think it was even about that. But this woman just walked up, I mean, she walked, like, walked up to, she didn't even stop, she didn't stop us, she asked us for money, we didn't slow down, we said no, she didn't slow down, she just kept going. And it was interesting to me because I've dealt with a lot of homeless people. I've dealt with a lot of people that have, give, that, that have been asking for money. I mean, lots of people over the years. Um, we've been in so many different places, and pretty much any time you go to a city, you're going to encounter this. And usually, and there's been times where, the, uh, where I believe by the Spirit that I was to give somebody money. There's been uh, several, many times where that's happened. And there's been many, many times where I know not to. And so I just endeavor to follow the Spirit by that. But this one, uh, th this time in particular, I noticed something different. Usually they have some spiel. And you wait for the spiel. Okay, you know, what do you, and it's always a spiel. And they get creative in their spiels. But this woman didn't even have a spiel. She's just going to ask people, just going down the street. And what I realized was this. This was a new level of begging that I thought was really quite interesting. It was, she, and I'm sure that it's steeped in this understanding that it's not necessarily, that they don't expect everybody's going to give them money. It's just the more people they ask, they might find one who will. And so, at least with the spiel, you get a little entertainment. You know, sometimes I've actually given homeless people money just because they entertained me. One guy in Cleveland, we were walking down the street, and he was just, I wasn't going to give him anything. And he was with us. He came into a restaurant we were in and tried to get us in there, offered to buy him food, but that wasn't the kind of food he ate. I mean, if you're real hungry, I guess, I guess you probably wouldn't be too picky about it. But, you know, that's, but I wasn't going to give him any money. But as we were walking, he's walking with us, and he's talking, and, and he starts singing. And he's singing real good, and he's singing to us all the way. And I actually just started enjoying it, so I gave him money. Because he sang to me. You know, like I gave him to the spiel. Because I, I, there was a guy in New York City that was, you know, we were going into McDonald's, just used the restroom, and he just opened the door for us. And he stood there to have a cup. He didn't beg anything. He just had a cup. I gave, him, I gave him some money. Why? Because he did something for it. I was like, well, at least he opened the door for me, so I'll give him something, you know? So there's, a lot of times there's a spiel. But this woman was totally insincere. She didn't even care about the spiel. She didn't care about, like, making you happy. She didn't care about trying to entertain you. She didn't care about trying to... She just, she just after complete insincerity. Yeah. 
And this is what the Lord brought up back up to my heart when I was thinking about this. How many people in their prayers come to God like that woman, just pass by. They walk up, to get, if, they, if they get it or not, they, it's almost like they don't even give it time to notice. They come up with their cup and they just pass on by. It's insincere. And to think that God would answer prayers like that is utterly foolishness. Because God is not, God, God loves us and blesses us out of his goodness. We are already blessed because of his goodness. You already live in blessing. And if you don't, come with me next time I go to Africa. And you'll see exactly what the lack of, or the seemingly lack of it. There's some, still God's blessing there. But if you don't think that you're blessed, you should come see that. Because that is a whole other, a whole other kind of world. But at any rate, you know, the, 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 the point that I'm trying to make is so many people, they come to God in such insincerity and ungenuineness. They don't care to, to, to fellowship with God. They don't care to know God. They just want their problem taken care of. They just want the questions they have answered. They just want the, whatever they're getting. And how do you, how do you see this? So, uh, or where do you see this so much in the world? I've seen it a lot as a pastor. I've seen people that have come into church and had legitimate problems. And they come to God because it's their last resort. And there's nothing wrong with that. And they come and they be faithful for a time. And then I see God work in their lives and change things. I can't tell you how many times I've seen this. Not just as a pastor, but also just as a Christian. And some time goes by. They get what they need. And they're gone. They disappear. That's insincere. That's hypocritical. That's hypocritical Christianity. To only, you know, it's like, oh, there's people that they, they can only do for God when things are good. As long as they perceive that he's taking care of them, well, then I'll serve him. But the moment that it feels like maybe, maybe there's opposition against them or that there's things coming against them and things aren't quite right, they forget all about the work of the Lord. Yeah. Do you see where I'm getting at? Yeah. And see, this is a place that Christians ought not to live. This isn't the place that we have been given. This is not what the blood of Christ paid for. The blood of Christ did not pay for us to just have a, 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 an, oasis, an oasis in the desert to stop into when we're thirsty. Wow. Do you understand what I mean, we're thirsty? The Bible says to come, uh, you know, it, the, the hungry and thirsty uh, for righteousness will be filled. But God didn't say just because you're hungry or thirsty, you're going to be that in the world. But the world's like that. But let me ask you, how much of the church, just let me ask you, I'm not saying being judgmental, but how much of the church is like that? That it's they're hungry and thirsty when they're hungry and thirsty, but when, when, they, when they have their own time, they could, they could care less about God or the things of God. When they get what they need, when they get what, I should not even mean what they need, when they get what they desire, then they forget about the things of God. They think, they forget about the work of the Lord. Right? I mean, how many times do we do this? And brothers and sisters, I'm not saying we all struggle with things. And there's times when we struggle. And there's got to be grace. And God has grace for times we struggle. But there's a difference between struggling with something and living a life of hypocrisy and insecurity. Or, or uh, insincerity. Amen? But look what it says here. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. 
That's amazing. How many people? I'm a Christian. They'll even come into church and they'll look good. They'll put on the smile. They'll put on the face. But when it comes to living it, well, that's another thing. They're doing it to be seen by men. They're doing it because they want to look the part. They're doing it because maybe they even know what it should look like. Right? This isn't, God isn't looking down on this and saying, well, this blesses me. This is, this is what I paid for. Praise the Lord. This is what you, you understand. And so when, when we, we have to understand this, when we come to God, it's, it's, it's not just coming to him. It's not that we just came to him, but it's coming to him from a, in a certain place. You know, recently, I think I said this, I shared this in Mayville. You know, I got into the place where we were praying for our meals and we would just, we would just pray, you know, just pray to get over it because that's what we do. And I even sped up the prayer sometimes. Father, thank you for this food. Blessed to our bodies in Jesus' name, amen. And I just messed it up. But I do it a lot better when I'm hungry. You know what I mean? Just to get it out. And then all of a sudden one day it dawned on me. I think the Lord showed me. What are you praying for? You're not praying. You're reciting something. We're gonna, again, we're going to see this in But you're not praying anything. And then the conviction came on me. This is exactly what I've been teaching my family. I've been teaching my family that it's okay to pray this way. That we come to God. I, I'm supposed to lead my family in the things of God. And I'm teaching them that I'm so hungry. I can't wait two extra minutes to just give God some thanks for what he's doing in my life. To be reflective on the Lord for a minute. See, my family, they don't necessarily see me pray every time I pray. But when I eat, they do. That's one time when we eat together, they always see me pray. And how am I doing it? Oh, I'm just rushing through it. And listen, I'm not saying we'll put you in bondage. You know, every prayer before a meal has... Sometimes you're not going to have time to pray a long prayer. And that's okay. God is, God is okay with that. Sometimes it's just like, Lord, would you bless this food to my body? He's happy with that. But you know, what we started to do in our household is we started to be more reflective as we pray. First of all, we forget about the food. Put it aside. Father, I just thank you for your goodness for us. That you love us so much. You've brought us together as a family right now. Today. You know, things, things like that. You understand? I've just been, because I was corrected on it. And I, listen, I'm, I'm telling you, like, this is something I did and I did it wrong. And up until weeks ago is how I did it. You understand? So this isn't something that, you know, Pastor Jeff has been doing good for 20 years. No, for 20 years, I've been praying mostly when we pray for food. I haven't been praying for it at all. I've been reciting some gibberish that means nothing to God and does nothing for us. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so uh, uh, they have the reward in full. What, that they were seen by men? Oh, sure, my family, he was a praying man. You know, I could just see it at, the, at my funeral. My family standing around, oh, he, he would pray. He prayed for every meal. That's my reward. Praise God. Meanwhile, I died from food poisoning or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, well, maybe not, but you understand. Like, uh, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, people take this scripture way out of context. And, and, and this is interesting because in this week, again, I found myself studying this, th these out quite a bit. And you know what this... What they were really talking about here is not that they were talking, there was an inner room in the house in, in, in this time period. There was a, this inner room that was a storage room. 
And it had no windows. It had probably one door and the door was locked. It was the only room in the house that was locked. And so the idea, what Jesus is saying, is not that you have to go have a prayer closet. If you have one, that's fine. But that's not what he was saying here. What he was saying is, get out of the sight of people, go to the place that's, that, that's, that's away from everybody and everything, Go to that place. You know, again, it's not a physical place that we have to have. This isn't a rule that you have to have. Oh, I have to have a prayer closet. Or I have to have this one specific place. And again, some people have prayer closets and they're blessed by it. I'm not saying anything wrong with that. I'm saying this isn't a rule for that. Amen? And so uh, this inner room was a place that was protected from robbers and thieves and stuff like that. It was, and, but most importantly, it was out of sight of the rest of the world. It wasn't something that was doing to be promoted. Look how wonderful I am. It was something about getting into that place between them and God. Yeah. That's what God has called us to. Amen? We might have to go on to a part three. I don't know. But uh, uh, so he's calling us to the secret place. That, and, and, and that's where the reward is, of course, that place of knowing God. And that's what this is really about. It's a place of intimacy with God. You know, if you're married and you understand what I'm talking about, you have times of int in intimacy with your spouse. Well, you don't do it on, like, you don't have those times, I want to say it like that, you don't have those times of intimacy, and they don't just have to be, you know, they can be anything that's intimate, but, like, uh, you don't just have those times on the front lawn. You go to your private place. It's between you two. It's not between you and the world. Now, I'm not opposed to PDA. I'm not, I'm not opposed to that. And I'm not opposed to that because I kiss my wife in public. I hug my wife in public. I hold her hand. I don't mind doing that. Now, other people have a problem with that. Well, we could discuss it. But, but you, no, not really. But, you know, um, but, you know I'm not, so I, I'm not really, I have big issues with PDA. But there's certain things, obviously, we don't do. There are things that are meant between us. And it's the same thing with our Heavenly Father. There's a life that's meant between you and Him. And if you want to know what God's will is, you can know God's will generally speaking, through the word. You can know God's will, generally speaking, through being a Christian. But there's aspects of God's will that you are only going to know by having a relationship with him. And the only way that you're going to have a true relationship with God is if you make it part of your life to know him. You're not going to have it any other way. You have to decide, I want a relationship with him. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. Um. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their words. And that's exactly, uh, do I have this written down? Yes, in a commentary. There's one commentary I read. It says, keep on babbling translates a nonsense word, unknown elsewhere in Greek, suggesting what we mean by gibberish. The focus is not on repetition, as the authorized version of the King James Version suggested, but on meaninglessness and noise. On the attitude to prayer, which thinks that God needs to be bullied into taking notice. True prayer is not a technique nor a performance, but a relationship. True prayer to God comes out of relationship. He, God is not going to desire talking to you if you don't desire talking to him. You understand? He isn't just like, Oh, okay, I'm going to force you, you know. 
That's not what these, when we see these things about keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking, or, or keep coming to God, the idea is not that we're bullying God, that if we just come enough. No, why do you have to keep coming? Because my wife and I would not have the relationship we have if we didn't keep coming. If we didn't keep coming back and forth, if we didn't, see, see, because it's not just about me coming to my wife and saying, okay, this is my list of demands today. This is what I want as your husband. And she says, okay, here you go. And then I disappear. And then I don't come back again until I want more things. There's no relationship in that. But why do I know things about my wife? Because there's back and forth. There's times when I speak. And there's times when she speaks. Sometimes it gets unbalanced either way, but there's those times. And we come back and forth, back and forth. We have sit-down talks. We have these times where we, we focus on things specifically between me and her. That's a relationship, right? And how about this? You want a relationship with a pastor? <laughs> if you want a relationship with your pastor, how you're going to do it is you're going to spend time. I love people that want to be used in ministry but have no time for their pastor. How are you going to, how is a pastor ever going to trust you to do anything if you've never spent any time? See, I didn't step into the pulpit because somebody just gave it to me because I was just lucky I drew that straw. It doesn't happen that way. There has to be time back and forth. And guess what? It's not my job. Oh, praise God. It's not my job to make sure you are spending time with me. Although I try. But it's not my job to do that. And there is a truth that, you know, listen, like you don't, a, a past, you don't have, a, have to have a pastor have a relationship with God. But in the grand scheme of things, God gave us pastors for a reason to work these things out. I don't need to make every decision in your life. But if you have no relationship with me, don't expect me to have a relationship with you. Right? And so where you want to go in ministry? Like, what do you want to do? What kinds of things do you want to build? You know, like you, you have to have Something, amen? Well, praise the Lord. I got into that really quickly and I wasn't expecting it, so that's just, that's free, no charge, amen? But the relationship, you want a relationship with God? Do you really? Don't be like the hypocrites, just spouting out gibberish prayers once in a while and thinking that you're good, you might, maybe you'll hit one once in a while. You're nothing different than that beggar who's just going around asking for a dollar, gets one, doesn't care, doesn't get one, doesn't care, but certainly doesn't care about the other person. Relationship is built by back and forth, by spending time. Amen? And this is a good thing for us to know in our relationships. You want a good relationship with your spouse? You spend time together getting to know each other. You spend time with back and forth, making sure that you, you understand what's going on with the person, the other person. See, this is why there's so many marriages that are rocked because they're always, they're either one-sided or they're no-sided. Either everybody is focused, I don't know how we're getting on all this. Praise the Lord, but it, there's, there's got to be a reason for it. Uh, marriage is not about my side and your side. It's about, as we come together, bringing those sides together and building a relationship. There's no such thing as a relationship when two people don't come together. Right. Amen? Yeah. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. The same thing applies to churches. Churches want to do stuff. We want to be effective. Does anyone come to church and not want to be effective in the church? Do you want to get to heaven and find out whether well, the church you were part of was the most ineffective church? Well, how do you think that happens? It's not going to happen without back and forth, without relationship, without caring for it. Oh, I'm getting into some good stuff here tonight. I didn't even realize I was going to. Hallelujah. Um, you see, a new pa uh, well, 
I never plan for stuff like this. So when I get into it, I, I trust that God is, the Holy Spirit is leading us somewhere. Amen? There's a relationship that comes in relationship. Jeff and Lynn, I'm going to bring you up again. What you're doing, the things you've done, you're building relationship with those people. Am I right? Isn't that what it is? You spend time. You, there, there, there's time. You have to, if you're going to have that, you have to do that. It, people want to have ministries, but they don't spend time building those things. They, you know what I mean by ministries? It's like whatever, whatever you think the Lord wants you to do. You have to invest in those things and invest in those things. It costs you something in order to have it. Amen? Praise the Lord. So let's continue reading, and we'll get to actually the heart of the message with three minutes left. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like the pagans, for they will think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you uh, need before you ask him. This, then, is how you ought to pray. Now, really, what is interesting about the, the Lord's Prayer is uh, the instruction in the Lord's Prayer, I wrote this down so I got it right, isn't just what to pray, but it's instruction of an attitude or a mindset while you pray. It's not just, oh, pray this way. It's a mindset or an attitude while you pray. And so the first thing, of course, our Father uh, in heaven, hallowed be your name. You're exalting God. You're coming to that that's praise. You know, we're not going to cover each one of these. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And this is why this message came to you today. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You know, this one is a scripture that many times has tripped me up because I'm like, but James tells us that, that God doesn't lead in trial. And I even went to one, uh, my, one of my, 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 my Greek scholar friends and I said, I said, have you ever studied out the Lord's Prayer? And he said to me, yes, to quite, quite, quite a lot of detail. And I said, so get to this place. You get to this place of the, the, the you know, it, what are we dealing with here? Because I have some thoughts and I wanted to present them to someone else, you know. And, 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 and this is what, what I come to understand. The word for temptation is used multiple ways in Scripture. And so just from Scripture, you can't just determine what it is. One way it's used is for trials. So anytime you're in a trial. In trials, we know that God can lead us into trial. He led Jesus into the wilderness, right? And that was trial. And so we understand that God can lead you into trial. Now what James is talking about is God will not lead you. He does not tempt people. He doesn't tempt people with sin. He doesn't cause people to be tempted by sin. That's never of God. But trial, God is okay with. Okay? But then there's the other side of this coin. The same word is used for temptation, which it would be more of a sinful nature. So if you look at, like when you're sinning, if you're tempted to sin, that temptation, it's the same word. And so then the question is, and this is something that scholars actually have debated over, what is actually being said here? What point is being made in all this, right? And the, the, at least one aspect of it, and when you get to things like that, there's sometimes it's like that because the Lord has uh, various things that it can cover. Yeah. Amen? And um, what, 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 what I was seeing in this is this idea of, God forbid I seek those things which lead me astray. 
So in other words, if we're thinking about praying to God and we're praying to him in such a way, we're praying, Lord, give me this thing because this is something I really desire. So we're seeking God and that's the only way you can get it. But what if that thing you're seeking, like say this, maybe it's, uh, maybe I, I, Lord, I want this job. So I'm praying for this job, I'm praying for this job, I'm praying for this job. See, we don't ever consider whether or not that job is right for us. We only consider whether or not we want it. This is how many people pray. And I mean, with the job, it could be anything. You understand, I'm using a job because it's a, one that we could probably all relate to. But uh, you, you pray for it. But what if that job was something that would lead you astray, would cause you to sin? What if you got that job and in a weak moment, maybe there was a coworker there that was going to just be a temptation that was too much to handle? Or maybe there would be a, 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 a something happened in the company and for somehow it could end up looking bad. I've actually heard of this happening to people. They were brought into a job and they did something. They did what they were told to do. They were just following protocol, everything they were told to do. And then the company goes belly up and the person gets blamed for it. But see, we don't see those things, but God does. And that could cause you to enter into a place of, of temptation and trial that you, you, God never planned for you to be in. But because you're so adamant that you have to have the thing you want, what about a house? What about a, a, a city to live in? What about anything else that we could seek after? Lord, I want this spouse and I'm only happy with this person. I want this person so bad and I, don't, I, I, I can't see myself with anyone else. And God the whole time is like, that would be temptation, it would be trial. That would be nothing but trial for you, but you can't see that. See, we don't seek God from that. And when we look at this idea, Lord, don't lead us into temptation, it's this idea of submission before God, or at least one aspect of it, is an idea of submission before God that, that I seek what God has, that what God wants, not just what I want. And this is completely a reflection of 1 John 5, 14 and 15. To pray according to his will is to know his will. But if you don't spend any time with God, if you, don't, if you don't ever seek after God, you only go to him when there's need. You have no idea what it is that God is trying to do in your life. And those things which you chase after have become a trial or have tripped you up. Amen? Praise God. Well, that's all I have time for. <laughs> and, and, and do have somewhat more of a message. We'll see if God wants to build on it. Because there's more to this. But, but brothers and sisters, this, you know, in this, this idea of being placed before the Father, being placed with God, is not just a place that, oh, I got a place, so I've got a place to rest. No, it's a place that we go get life from, that we get fed from, that we get direction from. It's a place with God where we can build lives that mean something and not lives that just, what did we do? And this is what it means, the desire to stand before the Lord, amen? Praise the Lord, as we come to him, let's come to him with a different kind of assurance, taking time to just get before God and say, Lord, just teach me about you, amen? And we do that as we go to church, as we interact with one another, we can pray those prayers. Amen? Lord, teach me in, the, in today. Teach me at work. Just because you're at work doesn't mean you can't learn from the Lord if you're open to it. Amen?